some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. Good Monday to you. This is the Quick Six for this Monday, October the 14th, 2019. Reacting to everything but Monday Night Football, at least for week six of the NFL and what took place this weekend in college football as well. I'm Jason Martin. Of course, you can find me on Twitter at jmartzone. You can hear me on the Big Six Wednesdays and Fridays during the football season, pretty much every day outside of football season at 6 p.m. on The Zone. Also, the Jason Martin Show on Fox Sports Radio, Squared Circle Radio on Sunday mornings as well. Well, let's see here. There was a full slate of NFL games yesterday, but really I think you probably want to hear what I have to say about the local team today more than anything else. So we may run through the rest of the league and and hit on a couple of the high points, but generally this is just going to be reaction to what took place in the state of Tennessee, both in the NFL and college football this weekend for the most part. I also want to talk about LSU and a couple of things in college uh, that really stood out and some big wins yesterday in the NFL. But is the Marcus Mariota era over? I don't know that we have the answer to that question just yet because the Ryan Tannehill era is not going to be a lengthy one in Nashville. It's not, and this is, folks, the diehard Titans fan, the diehard anybody fan, insert whatever team you want, whatever school, whatever anything, those people are frustrating. Because they don't understand nuance and they don't read for anything but things to get upset about or things to laud as the greatest stuff they've ever heard because all it does is defend their team. In this case, the Tennessee Titans are not a good football team. Okay? I'm sorry. It's my job to be objective and that's the case. They're not a good football team on offense. Not saying anything about the defense. Not saying anything about Brett Kern either. They're not a good offensive football team. And Marcus Mariota is not a good quarterback. He's not a franchise quarterback. He's not a franchise taggable quarterback. And at the very least, if you got anything from the change yesterday, it is that the Marcus Mariota era should come to an end by the end of this season. Now, will it? We'll have to wait and see that for sure. But when you take a starting quarterback out in this scenario and you put Ryan Tannehill in, you're basically signaling to Marcus, yeah, Least don't buy. And that's what we're seeing. And that's what you had to see. So all the people that came at me, well, I say all the people, really it was just one, that was telling me that, oh, yeah, because Ryan Tannehill is going to be the savior and all this kind of stuff. Who said Ryan Tannehill was going to be the savior of the Tennessee Titans? All I said was, on Twitter, at Jmartzone, what I said was, it's not going to get much worse with Tannehill in there. And even if it does, who cares? Your team stinks. That's not exactly a ringing endorsement of Ryan Tannehill. It's to say some kind of change was needed just to put a fresh face out there on the field under center because Marcus didn't look like he knew how to play quarterback yesterday at all in Denver against that defense. Before he was yanked out of that ball game, 
He wasn't even 50%. He was 7 for 18 for 63 yards and two interceptions. Hadn't thrown a pick all season long. What an empty stat that is. I mean, it's great, but he wasn't throwing a whole lot of passes either. He hadn't thrown a pick in a lot of completions before that point or a lot of attempts, I should say, before that point. But it didn't really matter. The Titans weren't scoring any points. Their defense, ladies and gentlemen, has given up 15.33 points per game, and they're 2-4. and four. That's unacceptable. It's inexcusable, and somebody has to, be held for account, uh, has to be held to account for it. And it wasn't just that Marcus wasn't good yesterday. It's that he was awful. And at 13 to nothing, and I think they should have pulled him at 6 to nothing, shouldn't have even given him a chance at that second interception, they needed to at least throw somebody else out there to see what that person had. Tannehill seemed to have a better pocket presence, and he seemed to, they blocked for him a little better, at least at first. But nobody thinks Ryan Tannehill is Aaron Rodgers. Stop with that. Just because I think it might be time to put somebody else in there because you can't get much worse, that doesn't mean that I think that Ryan Tannehill needs to be handed a five-year contract. I think both of them may be gone at the end of this year. If Tannehill's good enough to prove maybe he could land somewhere else with a better chance for a starting job, maybe he'll leave. Or maybe he'll stay. But he's not going to be the answer at quarterback for the Tennessee Titans. You don't have to take every single tweet and extrapolate that to make some straw man point that doesn't hold water. Marcus Mariota is not a franchise quarterback. How many times and how many years do I have to say this before people get it through their skulls that I've been on this forever. There are people that are starting to get on it now that have never been on it before, but I'm not one of them. I have angered people in the past by not being Marcus Mariota's best friend in the media as it relates to how I carry water for him, in that I don't carry water for him. I'll praise him when he plays well, and I'll say, hey, I'd love for him to be the guy. He's a great dude. But it doesn't matter if he's a great dude if he's not a great player. It matters in life, but it doesn't matter for my job in analyzing the Tennessee Titans franchise. This is a 2-4 and four team that's going nowhere fast, folks. 15.33 points given up on defense. This is the point totals that that defense has surrendered in 2019. 13, 19, 20, 10, 14, 16. That's like a 5-1 and one team or a 4-2 and two team at least. Only twice has somebody scored more than 16 points on them, and not once has anybody scored more than 20 on them. 92 total points surrendered in six games, and they're 2-4. and four. What more can you really ask a defense to do than this? Yeah, sure, you'd like to see more turnovers, maybe some more sacks, but Bayer got the turnover yesterday in a game that was still winnable, and there was absolutely nothing that the offense could do except hand the football back to Denver on a three and out. They were awful. Their, their third down numbers yesterday were atrocious. This is not a good football team. Look at their losses. They're not 0-6, but they've lost to Gardner Minshew. They've lost to Jacoby Brissett. And then yesterday they lost to whatever's left of Joe Flacco. There's still 10 games left to play in this season. They're 2-4. and four. They could end up 12-4. and four. They could end up 10-6. and six. But what exactly do we see in their DNA right now that tells you that is what's going to happen? Here's what's left for the Tennessee Titans. In fact, I'm going to do this the same way I did it at the Big Six blog where I'm the editor-in-chief, and you can read that at 1045thezone.com slash Big Six blog. I do a Big Six takeaways after every Titans game and every Vols game as well. 
the next four games for the Tennessee Titans, the Chargers come to Nashville, then the Bucks come to Nashville, you go to Carolina, and then Patrick Mahomes comes into Nashville with the Kansas City Chiefs. At best, that's two and two. But it sounds to me more like one and three. So I'm going to predict you're going to be three and seven with six games to play. At that point, the best you can do is nine and seven, and I don't think that's doable at all, especially when Drew Brees probably back by the time the Saints are there, and you have to play Houston twice, the same Houston team that boat raced the Falcons and beat Kansas City at Arrowhead yesterday because Deshaun Watson is that good and Hopkins is that good. I think this season's a wrap. I think you're done. I think that the Titans will miss the playoffs because they will not get a wild card. That Buffalo loss was so bad in terms of their prognosis because the Bills will get a wild card unless they fall completely off a cliff, which I don't think they will because their schedule is very easy for the remainder of this season. The Marcus experiment may not be done because, again, nobody looks at Tannehill and thinks he's going to go out there and throw four touchdowns every week. This could be a back-and-forth thing. Vrabel said he'll make a decision on the quarterback. What he has done is at least create the paperwork that leads to letting Marcus go at the end of this year or offering him so little money that it's easy for him to walk and try to find more elsewhere. Yesterday, Tampa Bay went to London and Jameis Winston threw five interceptions against the Carolina Panthers. On the same day, Marcus threw two picks and was pulled. The number one and number two draft pick from that ill-fated draft, we might have seen the end of both of them as long-term starting quarterbacks for the team that drafted them yesterday within hours of one another. But the Tennessee Titans at this stage, I don't know what their identity is offensively. Derrick Henry couldn't run it. And that brings us to the other point. The offensive line is horrific. Any thoughts that Roger Saffold was going to come in and bolster that team has not, that has not come to pass. LaJuan's been back in for two games. I don't want to hear him talk. I don't want to hear him say very much of anything except we stink because that's what they do. And now you've got Keith Carter. Keith Carter is the the, uh, offensive line coach for the Tennessee Titans. It's a name that maybe you're just now starting to hear. This week, I think you're going to start to hear media talk about Keith Carter. Keith Carter's probably a guy that should not be in this job at all this season. Somebody has to take the blame here. Somebody has to be accountable. You can't put it all on Marcus, but you can put a lot of it on Marcus. Those that said, oh, man, I can't wait to see. Somebody tweeted me and said they can't wait to see Marcus Mario to go to a team that can utilize his talent, coaches that can utilize his talent. How many different coordinators and how many different people has he had that he's had to answer to and none of them have been able to get out his talent? When are people going to realize that five years into this man's career, Maybe this is utilizing his talent. Maybe his talent is just not being that accurate, not poised, holding on to the football too long, and not being able to win games and getting hurt. Maybe that is his skill set. But this offensive line with the highest paid left tackle in football, Lawan's really the only guy you can look at at all. And maybe he was creating a little bit of space last week for Derrick Henry to run through, but he certainly wasn't yesterday. Derrick Henry had nowhere to go. At the mesh point, as soon as he got the football, there was somebody in a Denver jersey taking him down. And I know Vic Fangio's defense should be good, and there's a lot of talent on that defense. But people had been able to move the ball against them throughout the year. 
not yesterday, through three quarters, the Tennessee Titans had a meager 101 total yards. That's pathetic. That's part of the offensive line. It's part of quarterback and receivers not having any chemistry together. It's a putrid offense. The defense has done all that you could possibly ask them to do, and you're a 2-4 and four football team. And when you come back to play against a Chargers team that lost again last night that doesn't look right either, why would you pay a ton of money to go see that team play on Sunday at Nissan? I'm going to be sitting at home. I've got a media credential, but I'm going to be sitting at home watching that and having red zone on a big screen and the Titans game on the small screen because I have to comment on it because I do love NFL football, but I don't love Tennessee Titans NFL football. They are the most boring football team in the world. At least Miami's fun to watch because you want to see how they're going to lose, how they're going to find a way to lose because they want to lose. And then there's dumpster fire things where who's going to be the quarterback in this place? They've got a new coach over here. I'm not calling for Vrabel's job, but Vrabel held on to Mariota longer than I would have on the field yesterday. And Vrabel has some things to prove himself this year. You can't always say the coach has to be fired. I can say Keith Carter's job should be in jeopardy. And I can say you shouldn't pay Marcus Mariota a cent. And I can say that because I have said that for well over a year. Whether you like it or not, I don't care how much you love Marcus Mariota. Do you love him enough to keep losing or to be bad enough that you can't draft his replacement? It's that simple. Ryan Tannehill came in. It's not like he set the world on fire. He was 13 to 16 throwing the ball. Nobody, there was no protection there for either guy. Whoever's back there is going to struggle until the offensive line picks up its play, if it's capable. If it's a talent issue, then that needs to be addressed with John Robinson because he's the one that's built this team. And I did see somebody yesterday saying that Amy Adams Strunk needs to be held to account. Uh, I don't, I'm not going there. I don't know exactly what it is she's responsible for at this point. Unless you want to talk about her having John Robinson there and her having Mike Vrabel there. Outside of that, I don't think this one falls on the owner just yet. Let's slow down. Scapegoats are a little lower on the totem pole at this stage. Quarterback, yeah, it was time. And I don't know, maybe he's going to play against the Chargers. But you needed something different yesterday. And so at least they figured this out in the second half of the game, even though they didn't win. It was an awful performance if you remember how you felt after that Buffalo game last year when Baltimore came to town and shut you out and just deposited Mariota on his keister repeatedly all day long, what happened this year? You lose to Buffalo, and then you get shut out by Denver. Two defensive-minded teams shut you out the week after you lost to the Bills. What's different about this team than last year? Nothing, except I think that the incomplete information we tried to tell ourselves existed about Mariota, or by we, I mean you, or some of you, because I said we would, we would never have all the information that we needed, but we could not make a bad decision if you're a Tennessee Titans fan paying this guy, knowing how little we know this far in, because we do know enough. That's the thing. Five years in, we're asking all the same questions. They may not have answers in your mind. They've always had answers to me because the fact that you can't just definitively say yes to them means no. And so here's where we stand with a two and four football team that needs all the help in the world. 
the defense has to be getting frustrated. They have to go to the sidelines and be murmuring under their own breath. And if you remember, the Legion of Boom was saying stuff, unkind stuff about Russell Wilson and how he was protected while he wasn't throwing for a ton of yards in Seattle and they were doing all this work. That was Russell Wilson, who was a winner. And I disagreed with the things that they were saying at the time. I don't disagree if the defense is talking about the offense right now. Not at all. There's not much to hang your hat on if you're a Tennessee Titans player on that offense. It's frustrating to watch. It's abysmal to watch. This team right now is bordering on totally off the tracks, and I think this season's over. I know there's a lot of football left to play. I think it's going to be meaningless football. You're not, there's nothing that you have seen that tells you the Titans have what it takes to turn this thing around and go on some major long win streak and somehow find their way into the playoffs. They are the worst team in the AFC South. I don't think it's even questionable anymore. The Texans right now are the best. Colts are right behind them and the Jags are right behind them. And then there's your Tennessee Titans who've already lost two in division and now have lost two back-to-back games against teams that they could have beaten. Even though those teams are good defensively, the Titans made it very easy on them and let them feast on them. So we don't know just yet if the Mariota era is over. But we know right now that the commitment to him long-term seems a little less likely. And if you're a Titans fan, whether you want to admit this or not, that's a good thing that came from yesterday, is maybe finally we're starting to get some idea that the Titans are not going to make the worst mistake imaginable and commit to this guy long term because he's just simply not the guy. And if that pains you, I honestly don't care. It's not my job to coddle. It's not my job to look at bad performances and try to excuse them away. There are no more excuses. It's on him at this point. Maybe not all of it. Maybe the circumstances weren't great. Maybe the injury a few years ago changed it. It doesn't matter what changed it. It changed. And as a result, you've got to change. And by you, I mean the Titans organization. Now, quickly, through the rest of the league. Already talked about Jameis. That was a horrible, no good, very bad day against Carolina. Panthers win again. They're 4-2. and two. They look a lot better with Kyle Allen. And they should because he's healthy and Cam Newton was not. Seahawks-Browns, that was a whale of a football game, won by the Seahawks on the road. The Browns are 2-4. and four. Kitchens ain't going to make it. Kitchens was a questionable hire to begin with. And if things were going to go down, it's not going to fall on Mayfield first. It's not going to fall on Odell. Or it will in some media's eyes. But who's going to take the blame first is going to be that coach that had no real experience to speak of. And Russell Wilson's on the other team, and they're 5-1. and one which doesn't mean good things for the Rams, who lost again to the undefeated Niners. And right now, San Francisco might be the best team in the NFC, maybe the best team in the NFL, if you want to extrapolate even further. Texans beat the Chiefs. Those are two four and two teams now. First time Watson and Mahomes have matched up since they were taken in the first round of the NFL draft together a few years ago. Three touchdowns for Deshaun Watson. This one kind of went back and forth. KC tried to stay in it, didn't have quite enough. Really impressive win on the road in a tough place to play for Houston. And the questions now begin about Mahomes. Even though Patrick Mahomes played okay yesterday, all of a sudden 
there's a problem here and it needs to be addressed and all of this. No, those are just two pretty good football teams. That's what we saw here. It's not really that bad to lose to the Houston Texans because you're probably going to see them again. Mahomes was 19-35 for 273, three touchdowns and an interception. Watson only had one touchdown as a passer to two picks. It wasn't a great QBR day for Patrick Mahomes. Tyreek Hill came back in and caught two touchdowns off his injury. Kelsey, another game without a touchdown for him, but he was still a factor. But the biggest thing is, Houston rushed for 192 yards on 41 carries. Kansas City only carried it 11 times for 53 yards. LaShawn McCoy gave them a gaudy 44 yards, and he was like seven times a better rusher than anybody else in terms of the rest of the team. Williams got one carry, Thomas got one carry, and Mahomes lost a yard on a carry. And that was it. And so the Chiefs are, are looking, and their defense is still questionable. So that makes them vulnerable, and the Texans are looking a little bit more complete, even though the offensive line still scares you. Redskins, Dolphins. Dolphins had a chance to tie it at the end and went for two and tried to win it and lost. And that's exactly what Miami wanted them to do, meaning the organization. They're tanking. We know they're tanking. This is one that looks like they're not trying to tank. Oh, we're trying to win. Not really. I mean, if they had won, it had been fine because I don't think Brian Flores necessarily is trying to tank himself. The organization's trying to tank. But Drake dropped the the little flare over to the side, and that was all she wrote. And the Redskins got their first win. That was not a good football game. It was between two winless teams at the time. Eagles-Vikings. I predicted this one. I still – Zach Brown, what he said about Kirk Cousins – the Eagles, even though I like the Eagles' makeup, this was a win Minnesota had to have. They had it at home. I don't know what pressure was on them. It wasn't in prime time. Stephon Diggs had three touchdowns. Four and two Vikes. They're back in play, certainly, in the NFC North. We'll see a big matchup in the NFC North tonight on Monday Night Football in Lambeau with the Detroit Lions and the Green Bay Packers. But the Vikings are just trying to keep pace right now. I still don't buy into them because I don't buy into Cousins. But I did predict they would win the division this year because of all the talent that they had. I just think there's too much discombobulation on that roster for it to work long term. Saints-Jags. Saints win at 13-6. Bridgewater hits Cook for a touchdown. This was not a great football game. It was a defensive game for Jacksonville at home trying to hold off the Saints without Drew Brees and banged up in other ways. Jags fall to two and four. I still think they're better than the Titans. They equated themselves better than the Tennessee Titans did on this day. I can tell you that. Bridgewater, 24-36 with a touchdown, was sacked three times. Minshew didn't throw a touchdown. He did not have a good day. Fournette ran it okay, but Minshew went 14-29 for 163 and a pick. That's not a great day. That looks like a backup quarterback kind of statistical number. But New Orleans defense is a little underrated. And it might actually travel a bit better than their offense does. And that's not something that's new. That's something that's been there for a while. Ravens over Bengals. Bengals remain winless. They're no good. And this was a rushing game first and foremost for the Ravens who win this game 23-17 to in the AFC North. Lamar Jackson 21-33 of passing, but he ran for 152 yards and a score on 19 carries, including a long scamper of 36 mark ingram scored a touchdown on the ground that was enough right there 
Dalton with a rushing touchdown was about it as it relates to what was going on for the Bengals. They're not any good. Zach Taylor, I still don't know how he got that job, but I don't know who was going to come in and change that because Andy Dalton and so many of these other factors that have been there for too long, they're long in the teeth and nothing's going to change. And Baltimore's pretty good. And it wasn't a great day for that division at all outside of Baltimore. And Pittsburgh got a win, but I still don't think we think Pittsburgh is that good especially against the Chargers team that seems to be falling apart at the seams. 49ers undefeated, beat the Rams. I said on the Jason Martin Show on Fox Sports Radio on Sunday that the team that needed to win the most on Sunday was the Rams. They had lost two in a row, one of them in division to the Seahawks. The Niners were looking better and better. Goss contracts being called into question. You don't have Todd Gurley. The offense for the Rams all of a sudden does not look very good. And then the 49ers go into, I say the road, but it's the Rams. If you watch those stadiums, they are not really filled with Rams fans. But Goff didn't throw for 80 yards yesterday. He was sacked four times. His QBR was 1.1. Garoppolo wasn't very great either, but they did enough, and their defense is very good. Coleman ran for a touchdown, and Garoppolo actually got one on the ground as well. But he didn't throw a touchdown yesterday. I think that a lot of people are saying the right thing about the Niners. Kyle Shanahan, the way the offense is set up and the way the defense is playing and some of the talent on that defense and what you're seeing, including four sacks yesterday from that Niners crew, you could put a whole lot of quarterbacks in that offense and they would also be undefeated right now. I don't think Garoppolo's worth the money. I don't think we've seen enough to tell you he's demonstrably better than many other starters in the league right now. That might be one of the bigger overreactions we have had in the last handful of years, is thinking that he was worth the money that they paid him. Cardinals beat the Falcons, who are a dog football team, now 1-5. Dan Quinn probably should be let go before the end of the season. Cardinals are 2-3-1. and one. Brian actually misses an extra point that would have tied it. Kickers, y'all. But the Cardinals, we know what they are and we know what they're not. I'm on record. You know how I feel about Kingsbury. Maybe Murray can get it done a little bit more, but the Falcons' defense has been had by just about everybody. They gave up 50-plus to the Texans. We saw what the Titans' offense was able to do in Atlanta against them a few weeks ago. And since that point, the Titans scored seven points against the Bills and none yesterday against the Broncos. In the last ten quarters, they've scored seven points. But they were still able to actually put up yards and put up numbers against the Atlanta Falcons. That tells you all you need to know there. Jets beat the Cowboys. What the heck is that? They win it at home. Darnold's back in there, coming back from mono. Cowboys don't look good. Dak doesn't look good. This is more the Dak that I had said last year is a decent, like 14, 15th best quarterback in the league. But what we were saying about them in the first couple of weeks, far cry now. Cowboys are 3-3. Three and three. That's not a good division either. But Jason Garrett, every time they start to lose, Jason Garrett's name starts being mentioned in bad circles. And there was sort of a bad look with him slapping hands with the team yesterday when it looked like they were about to lose. Garrett shouldn't have been there for the last couple of years. They keep him there because he's a total yes man for Jerry Jones, and Jones likes him personally. Until they get rid of Jason Garrett and change the makeup of that coaching staff and probably, I don't know, I still understand why you would pay Dak, but they're probably going to have to pay him way more money than he's worth to keep him there, and I can understand why you wouldn't want him to do that also. Dallas looked good. 
and they have fallen on tough times over the past three weeks as they've lost three in a row. And then the Steelers beat the Chargers. Rivers tries to make a comeback and can't. Connor runs for a couple of touchdowns. Steelers are two and four, just like the Browns. And of course, the Bengals are winless. And then there's the Ravens at four and two, sort of in the driver's seat in that division currently. And the Chargers, I don't know what to make of that. I really don't. I think you may still get now a wild card bid out of the South, which I didn't necessarily see happening at the beginning of the year, but it ain't going to be the Titans. Right now it looks like Colts and it looks like Texans. I know that there's still a lot of football left to play, but you you can go ahead and mark this down. Jason Martin says the Titans season is over. Now to college, Joe Burrow, Heisman right now, no question about it. Joe Brady, give him the Broyles Award, give him everything that you can give him. Because they brought him in from New Orleans from the passing coordinator slot. And this offense for LSU just looks incredible. I did a top 10 ranking on the Jason Martin show, which I'm going to do weekly to open the second hour of that program on Fox Sports Radio on Sunday mornings. And I'm going to do a college top 10 based on where I would rank them. Not More like the AP does their situations more than anything else. But I'm going to give you that real quick right now. I've got Auburn at 10, Florida at 9, even with the loss. Penn State undefeated, I've got them at 8. One loss, Notre Dame, I've got at 7, because at the time the Georgia loss looked good. 6, Wisconsin undefeated. 5, Clemson undefeated. And it's tough for Clemson because they are the undefeated national champion, but they just haven't done anything that impressive, although they look very good against Florida State. Four Ohio State, haven't played anybody, but they're good. Oklahoma, impressive win over Texas, but Jalen Hurts, Heisman Candace takes a little bit of a hit because he didn't play all that well in that game against a fairly shaky secondary. He does have a Heisman moment when he puts the ball behind his back to avoid a sack. But that game showed something we weren't expecting, which is, oh, you might have a defense this year. And that is frightening. Number two, I've got Alabama. They look good against Texas A&M. Tua misses at least one touchdown throw, throwing it behind his receiver in the end zone. And I've got LSU at number one because I like the Texas win on the road, and I love that win over Florida, which was a great football game on Saturday night. Burrow only threw three incompletions in the game. The stat line that he put up where he had the 300 yards and all of what he did on Saturday night, no one else that has played against Florida this decade has done what Joe Burrow did to them on Saturday statistically. Nobody. Just unbelievably impressive. And as Oklahoma has gotten a defense, the one Achilles heel LSU might have, stunningly enough, is that their defense isn't that good. There are going to be games where they're going to have to outscore people. That offense is good enough to do it, but this LSU team looks so different. They've got a quarterback and they've got an offense that moves it and is not conservative and can put up 50 and then they've got a defense that can give up 50. That's the total antithesis of what you expect from LSU. And then you've got Oklahoma who can put up a ton of points, but at times they actually have a defense now. But they have a quarterback that maybe against good secondaries can be had as it relates to Jalen Hurts because he's not as great a passer. And I don't think there's any question of this as either Mayfield or Kyler Murray was. So that's your top 10. Auburn, Florida, Penn State, Notre Dame, Wisconsin, then your top five. Clemson at five, Ohio State at four, Oklahoma at three, Alabama at two, LSU at one. Ole Miss runs for over 400 yards on Vanderbilt. And at halftime, 
you can see Derek Mason mouthing at one point to one of his coaches saying, this isn't acceptable. And I tweeted out, I wonder if he's looking in a mirror. Derek Mason got to go. Derek Mason is a defensive coordinator. He is not an SEC football coach. This is a refrain I've had for weeks. I think he even said it before the season started. He's not equipped for this job. He wanted the Colorado gig. That one didn't go to him. Maybe he could be a head coach somewhere, but it would be at a smaller level. Or he could be an elite defensive coordinator somewhere else. But what happened against UNLV on Saturday can't happen. UNLV was a one-win team that had given up over 50 to Wyoming. Keyshawn Vaughn does what you expect him to do, and outside of that, nothing. They look terrible. There's nobody in the seats. This Vanderbilt program is an embarrassment in the state of Tennessee as it relates to football on a high level, which is a huge statement considering what we saw from the Titans yesterday and what we have seen at times from the Tennessee Volunteers this season. The Georgia State loss probably still the worst loss in the Southeastern Conference this year, but that UNLV one is right behind it. Banner time for the state of Tennessee. I don't know who you bring in that fixes Vanderbilt. There are problems that are systemic underneath that. It's not an everyday thing. But we've seen this act from Derek Mason since day one when he looked like a deer in headlights on that opening Thursday night game. You remember that game. That game was dreadful. I think it was Temple was the opponent. From that point on, as much as you like Derek Mason the guy, Derek Mason the coach, you can't possibly like. And this team doesn't seem to want to play for him. They squandered Kyle Shermer. Should have won more with him there. Now they don't have him there. And they are an absolutely putrid football team. Tennessee got a win in the SEC over Mississippi State. Brian Maurer, head over heels hit, lands on the top of his helmet. He goes out, concussion protocol, Garantano has to get in. Before Maurer got knocked out of the game, he looked like a freshman. He was four for seven. He did throw an interception, and he also and at one of his his first interception, he threw two, but the second one maybe comes because he's been concussed and hasn't been taken out of the game. They haven't realized it, and they should have taken him out after that hit. But he threw one into double coverage into the end zone. That that looked like it was going to be a touchdown drive. This thing was closer than it should have been early. They left Mississippi State, who was really bad. In this game, they don't have a quarterback at Mississippi State. I still don't think they've got a quarterback at Tennessee yet. But there were folks that were saying Maurer's not the guy on Saturday. Calm down. He's a true freshman. So he's going to do a lot of bad things, and he's going to do a handful of good things. you got to get him reps. He'll compete for that gig next year. Garantano's not going to be there. But Garantano, when he's come in, he does deserve some credit. Six for seven for 106 yards and a touchdown. And they win the football game. And he comes in off the bench. They don't let him throw. They run the ball just repeatedly eight times in a row to end the first half. And you wonder if they don't trust him to throw the ball because based on what you're seeing from Maurer over the past two weeks, it feels like Cheney and Pruitt and Tennessee trust Maurer to throw the ball a lot more than they do Jarrett Garantano, which leads to the question, why in the world is Jarrett Garantano a quarterback at Tennessee, if that's the case? But he made a couple of nice throws in the second half. And he did enough to win the game. Whatever he thought his career was going to be at Tennessee, it's not going to be. But And it's not going to be remembered by very many people either. But there's a lot of folks that would have gone into the tank 
and would have just shut down and sulked and not been able to come into the game when asked. Jeremy Pruitt had said days before that he would need Garantano at some point this season to win a game. And less than a week later, he did need him. And he may need him to win a couple more before it's said and done. Because nobody has a throttle and their hand around the throat of this job. Not at that point in time. Defense for the Vols was awesome. Three interceptions, barely 50% combined completion for the quarterbacks from Mississippi State on just 21 total throws. 3.3 yards per carry, rushing average on a game as well. And probably the best is you take the best rushing back in the league, the best running back in the SEC right now, and you hold him to 13 yards on 11 carries. Hill came in. He had been dominating everybody. Batuli finds out about it after the game. He finds out what they did. 11 carries for 13 yards on that guy, and he says, wow, that's pretty dang good. That's pretty much all you need to say. 267 total yards for Mississippi State, who held the football for under 27 minutes. They only had three penalties in the game, did Tennessee. And had it not been for turnovers, they'd have had even more probably time of possession uh, because they would have run it even more. They're still not running it great. You still want to see more of that. It looks like Tim Jordan might be the best back on the team right now. The Chandler thing's just not not what it should be. He's still so elusive, but Jordan was more successful when he was out there. Now, let's look past this win, which, look, you beat an SEC team, that's good, especially when you lose to Georgia State and you were a one-win team coming in. You go to Tuscaloosa this coming Saturday, and you're going to lose, and you're going to lose badly under the lights as they have their brand-new LED board, and they're going to be fired up. And whether or not you show up to play, this ain't going to be Georgia. Uh, you don't have a secondary, and now you lose Flowers, and that's terrible. Not something you could afford to do, and that's a bad injury, and you hope the best for him. But Tua and Judy and Ruggs and Waddle, and that offense is just going to run wild on you, and Harris is going to run you over. That's going to be ugly. So go ahead and chalk that one up as an L. But then on October 26th, and I'm going to be at this game, in Neyland Stadium with South Carolina, who beat Georgia unthinkably because Georgia Georgia more than South Carolina could South Carolina, more than Muschamp could Muschamp, even though he tried on that 57-yard field goal. Uh, article you should go out of your way to read from the Banner Society. Uh, they did a 17-point breakdown of the 17 most nonsensical things that happened in Georgia, South Carolina, in Athens on Saturday. Absolutely ridiculous. Just crazy. The nonsense that went down in that game but if you, if South Carolina comes to town and you win that game you can make a bowl because the back half of your schedule is not as tough as the front half doesn't mean you can't lose all those games because you can but you got UAB and you've got Kentucky and you've got a ghastly bad Vanderbilt team Missouri's won four in a row uh, so that one's not going to be easy but this is a much more tenable finish than it was start to the season. Florida's in the rear view, you lost. Georgia's in the rear view, you lost. Alabama will be in the rear view after you lose. But if you go to, if South Carolina comes to town and you play them and you beat them, I think you can make a bowl. If you don't, you're a four win football team. And if you get embarrassed by them or if they show up and you play bad football and turn it over and play undisciplined and Pruitt looks out coached and outmanned and outgunned, then that momentum is going to carry you to losses you shouldn't have for the rest of the season. It's really that simple. You could, in these last few games, totally bottom out, but you could also go three and three. 
That looks possible. Two and four also is possible. Oh and six, yes, it's possible, but I don't think so. That will be a two and ten season, and there's just there's some winnable games here for you. I think Jeremy Pruitt's coming back anyway, but you cannot lay an egg against South Carolina. Doesn't mean that you have to beat them, but you you can beat them. Even with them beating Georgia, that was just as much about Georgia screwing up and looking like a fraud than it was anything else. And you saw what Tennessee did to Georgia for the first 25 minutes of that game uh, a week ago in Knoxville. But that's a huge game for Tennessee against South Carolina. It's the turning point game of the season for them as it relates to whether or not they want to play in an exhibition bowl game after this season ends or whether or not they're just going to go gently into this good night once they finish out what's already on their schedule. That one will tell the tale. And even if they show up and lose and play close, they'll feel okay about themselves. But that's a game you look at and you say, they need to win that football game. I don't know if you care about them making some meaningless bowl game. I've already told you the the bowls are, are meaningless in many ways, except some recruits care about it and it gives you a trip and it gives you some extra practices and things like that. But it also means that you won a decent number of football games. I think you win four if you lose to South Carolina. I think you probably can make a bowl and maybe will make a bowl if you beat South Carolina, which is kind of stunning. They've won two games. They really should have been undefeated going into Florida, even with BYU being half decent, but they weren't. Things have not gone their way, but they still have a chance to write a better end to this story because the schedule favors them. But if South Carolina punks them, it's going to be disastrous for the rest of the year. It's going to be impossible to watch. The state of Tennessee right now in football, Titans dumpster fire, Vanderbilt 17 dumpster fires, and Tennessee is trying to put out their dumpster fire. And that's the last word. And that is the quick six for this Monday, October the 14th, 2019. Thanks for joining me. I'll talk to you Wednesday night on the big six and maybe intermittently as well on the big six blog. Check it out at 1045thezone.com slash big six blog until next time clear eyes full hearts can't lose god bless and good morning afternoon good night whatever depends on when you're listening from nashville